welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, looking at feeling a little self-reflective here. Oh, my. Trying to, I'm thinking about the way that I write movie reviews. Okay. This is something you and I both do. Poorly, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> something you and I both do is write movie reviews poorly. Yes. Um, and I was just thinking about... Well, you know, it, uh, on the on the movie journal, mm. just just now, <laughs> yeah. listeners heard it days ago, but just just now in the movie, right. movie journal, I was talking about the movie, movie Nasty Baby. Indeed, and I was talking about how uh, I can't discuss the thing that makes me right. not like the movie in any detail, right, uh, or the thing that turned me off of the movie in any detail. Because in theory, the movie, and, and, and I, I've already written my review. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to do more of that. To uh, I, <laughs> I have a tendency in the past to take notes while, I'm, while, while I watch a movie and think about it and then write the movie review like the day or two before it comes out, even if I have a long lead, which has sometimes been problematic. Uh, yeah, I um, will sometimes have three months of lead. And it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. And well, yeah, we're getting to that point at that time of year where we're getting yeah. long lead uh, um, reviews or long lead screenings. Um so I'm trying to do less of that. I'm trying to watch mm-hmm. to write stuff within a within a week at most of having seen it. Um, and so I've written my nasty baby review, and I was thinking about the fact that for me, most movie reviews I read, I read after I've seen the movie. And I wonder how much of the audience is reading movie reviews in the way they are theoretically intended, which is mm-hmm. to help them decide whether or not to go to a movie, or if they're reading them like I do afterwards. I, and I feel like when I write a review, I'm kind of straddling a line. Yeah. And I feel like you probably have to, and I think that's probably the, the safest way to go about it. And I, and I don't mean safe in a negative way, but, um, cause I've had in the last couple of weeks, in fact, um, friend of the show, Paul Goebel, uh, said that he saw the visit based on <laughs> reading my review. So, and then I had somebody say that, they read my review of Steve Jobs and that they were more excited to see it now. So it's not like I swayed them one way or another. But they clearly read it beforehand. Right. Um, okay. So I do think a lot of people will read reviews beforehand to just, at the very least, get the flavor of the film. Um, yeah. And I do think that maybe, because I'm the same as you, I, I don't like to read a lot of reviews beforehand. Well, there are certain critics that I, always, that I sure. will happily read beforehand and I would love it if we were those critics to some of our listeners. Sure. That'd be fantastic. But I would say, yeah, most reviews I wait until after. Even my favorite, well, some of my favorite reviews are from the AV Club. It's mm-hmm. been it's been essentially my favorite website since uh, I don't know since yeah. I had the internet. I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, but I don't read them until after I've seen the movie. Uh, although they do a thing that I like actually with certain movies now that have something that can't be talked about in an interview. They mm-hmm. do their spoiler space, yeah. which I feel like it's, ha- it's helpful. It's helpful. And I feel like it's TV internet criticism informing movie internet criticism. Probably because TV reviews are always written or at least episode by episode reviews. The AV club does both. They do sort of pre reviews, uh, like energy mm-hmm. weekly does, but they also do episode by episode reviews. And those, the latter are written with the assumption that the person that the reader yeah. has seen the episode. Uh, and so I feel like they're, they're doing, they're, they're kind of doing both now as well. They're regular reviews. And then in certain cases, you know, reviews uh, or extra 
material written for those who have seen the movie. Which is super helpful, I think, um, because, you know, one, an, an age-old, by age I mean, I guess six years, uh, question for more than one lesson is how spoilery do we get? We're, we're delving into these movies and because of the nature of the show, we're getting into theme and how a movie ends will often, uh, kind of solidify what the theme is. And I think you guys should be completely open with spoilers. Yeah, we are because you know, like two movies per episode, you can just tell people they should watch the movie. Yeah. You're not springing anything on them. Yeah. And, and I try to announce a few days before, like, this is what we're going to be talking about. And, and at this point, I think people know that there's going to be spoilers. But early on, people said, like, it's like, well, we, you know, I don't. And if, if, if some of those people are listening to this, I'll do respect. Uh, but they would say, like, like you, you're really spoilery. Like, I, I want to listen to the episode, but I, you know, I, I don't want the movie spoiled for me. And part of me is just like you want to listen to an hour and a half about a movie you haven't seen? <laughs> like that's, cr- that's crazy. Yeah. That's really insane. Yeah. Um, but I think I when, think when, when Paul and I do, Hey, watch this, we, uh, the assumption is that people have seen, we yeah. announce a week beforehand, the two episodes of yeah. TV we're going to be talking about, and we do not even make spoiler warnings. We just, yeah. And I, and I think that's, I think that's okay. But, um, but as far as the way you and I read reviews, I think a lot of that is informed by, a, the fact that we've been doing this for so long, we write our own reviews, we like to form our own opinions as much as possible, mm-hmm. and then also the fact that we live in Los Angeles. We have the option of seeing everything, no, right. and I think some people, uh, I don't know, they, they might have heard about some movie, uh, like they might read, let's, I'll be very generous to us and say that they, they, they check into Battleship Pretension every day to see what the latest reviews are, uh, often for movies that might not even come to their part of the country. Right. And, but it, it lets them know like, okay, this is a thing I can be anticipating. And so they'll probably read the whole thing. Um, so that they know about this, th- about this movie that they previously had not heard much about. Uh, and now that now here's somebody that has seen the entire thing. So I feel like because of where we live and what we do, I know that for myself that has changed the way I, uh, look at reviews. I will say that for me, uh, if there is a movie I'm on the fence about, mm-hmm. if it's a movie I'm going to see definitely, then I, I usually hold off on reviews until after. But, um, if it's a movie I'm on the fence about, I will probably seek out reviews by some of the more, some of my more trusted critics and see what they have to say. And I will sometimes, it used to be that I would like glance at their star rating or letter grade just to kind of get a general idea and be like, okay, they seem to like it. I guess I'll go. But uh, as time has gone on, it's like, no, I want to read specifically what they responded to about it. And, you know, I know that uh, some people like with Crimson, I I saw, I forget who it was, but somebody tweeted about Crimson Peak and said, these negative reviews, not that it's getting scathing reviews or anything, it's getting like B minuses and stuff. Um, it's like these negative reviews. It's like what people are saying is bad about it only makes me want to see it more. Yeah. That's definitely happened before. Yeah. And so, and that speaks to this idea. It's like when you read the review and the person says, I didn't respond to this, like, Oh, well that is never a thing that has never bothered me. So maybe I should go and see this movie. So, um, so yeah, uh, I would love to get listener feedback on how they read, uh, if they read our reviews and if so, what they use them for. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I know Paul. Gobe, I know Paul Goble reads them. Well, he reads you at least. Um, mm. 
Mm, I like that. <laughs> uh, there's something, there's something about the phrasing. It's, it's like, Oh, he, he, he reads you. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Oh, what's the latest Smith? What's the, <laughs> yeah. I wish my last name was more interesting. All right. Um, uh, put it in the comments, everybody. What right? should my last name be? <laughs> no, not that. Okay. Um, the thing about what I said. Indeed. Uh, let's pay some bills. Okay. Well, we'll pay them in a number of ways. The okay. first way is to tell everybody about our uh, slasher movie commentary. See what I'm doing here? Yeah. Oh, you just can't wait. To- oh, yeah. I'm rubbing my hands together in enticement. <laughs> this is very exciting. So... Uh, as we mentioned in the BP movie journal and in last week's episode, but we really want to hit it home because, uh, it is time sensitive. Not that we're ever going to stop selling them, but Hey, we're in the month of October and it's a, it's a fun way to watch these movies that you've seen before, uh, with a new perspective. And in some cases, a perspective that has virtually nothing to do with the film. Um, so yeah, uh, we recently, sat down for about eight hours, eight or nine hours and watched five horror movies. We watched psycho, the Texas chainsaw massacre, Halloween child's play and scream. We watched them all in a row. Uh, we invited some guests to come on and talk about these movies with us. We recorded commentaries for them. You can purchase the commentaries $3 per commentary, or you can buy all five for 10, which is a savings of $5. That's the way to go. That's the way to go. Um, it's why we set it up that way. Yeah. You know, that's why we made them individually way more expensive than they should be. Don't <laughs> tell anybody. Um, so, uh, so some of the people that were, that were on just, uh, uh, okay. So you got your Mike Schmidt. Sure. You got your aforementioned Paul Goebel. Mm-hmm. You've got Pat Francis of rock solid, Matt champagne, uh, Benny Arthur, Susan Burke and Matt Peters, Hollywood uh, power couple, Hollywood power couple. No question about it. Uh, and then you've got, uh, friends of the show. I mean, they're all friends of the show, but you have contributors like, uh, Eric 13, Scott Nye, Ian Brill, uh, Jason Eakin. I don't know that last guy. Um, uh, you, you shouldn't. And then, and then I do really want to emphasize, uh, a, a sheer delight and somebody who is a f- wonderful pinch hitter was, uh, was, uh, Bill Dwyer stepped in for scream and yes, I, did something that has never been done in any of our commentaries before stayed for the entirety of scream for the entire yes, hour and 50 beginning minutes. to end. Yeah. Now, Wayne Fetterman almost did that with aliens. He showed up a half hour in and then he stayed all the way through. Is that right? Uh, okay. That's correct. Okay. So that, but you know what? He wasn't there the whole time. So yeah. Wayne, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, buddy. Uh, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. So if you go to battleship and you click on the button that says battleship pretension slasher commentaries, you can purchase them that way. And this is a way for you to support the show and also get a lot of content in exchange for that. So we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, Oh, you guys, I'm just saying no, just please. Yeah, definitely check them out. They were a blast to do yeah. and they'll be a blast for you to listen. To. So, okay. So that's one way of paying bills, David. Here's another way. Although we've already been paid for this, but that's fine. Okay. Now, David, this episode is we sponsored. Still have to do it though. We still have to do it, I guess, but whatever, you know, it's what, like what they're not going to know. They're not going to know they'll, they'll probably know. But in Bill and Ted, when they're like, once we get out of here, we'll steal my dad's <laughs> keys and hide them here. They still have to do it. Yeah. They still got to do it. Oh boy. That was a mind bender <laughs> uh, when, I was, when I was a kid. Um, all right. So this episode is sponsored by Mubi a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Everyday Movies curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 
30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $4.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Currently showing on Mubi. All right, David, here we go. Yeah. Now, you and I tend to disagree on the director, Greg Araki. Yeah, that's true overall. Overall, I'd say uh, we go back we go back and forth on that. But one thing that we, you and I can definitely agree on is his best film and maybe one of the best films of the last 15 years, and maybe I'm being hyperbolic I when I say so. that, I don't think so, is Mysterious Skin starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt and others. From 2005. From 2005. It's now 10 years old. It's weird to think that. Yeah. Uh, Mysterious Skin is just, I want to go into a little bit of detail about it. Uh, it's, it's got some of the best acting. I think it's, I think that and brick was kind of the, the one, two punch that put Joseph Gordon Levitt, like back on the map and as a heavy hitter. Right. And I think this is maybe his best performance ever. Okay. I, I don't know. Seen the walk yet. I haven't seen the walk. Uh, maybe I'm sure it's great, but I, you know what? It's just the stuff that he has to do in this film emotionally. It's gut wrenching. Uh, but it's a totally believable, um, it's, and, and it no part of my, con, part of my issue with, uh, Greg Araki and I have, I, I haven't actually seen that much. I think I saw nowhere. He made one called nowhere. Yeah. Uh, I saw, of course the doom generation. Uh-huh. Um, did he have one? Uh, yeah, totally, to- fucked up. totally fucked up. Not all fucked up. Totally fucked, totally up. fucked up. Um, and then his more recent stuff would be like smiley face, which I'm not sure if you would like or not. And it's a lot of pie humor, right? Uh, yeah. I tend not to like that that much. Um, but it's on Ferris, who's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, that's and true. And he did White Bird in a Blizzard, yeah. which I really want you to see because I could see you going either way on it. Okay. He also made Kaboom, which seems like a... Turn to form in a way? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I, but the thing that gets me is I feel like he tends to really, in an almost John Waters type of way, but I like John Waters, um, uh, kind of embrace a certain degree of trash and even when characters are doing horribly self-destructive things he seems to find no tragedy in it um it's one thing i'm not saying he needs to play the the tragedy completely but he doesn't he in doom generation i feel like he doesn't find any but that's maybe part of i think that's part of partly the nature of the film whereas mysterious skin there to me like that is a film of such maturity uh as far as trying to understand the emotional ramifications of what these characters have been through that it is i mean it's a tough movie to watch but it is absolutely marvelous yeah um and i believe you wrote or there's a blu-ray came out um god was that that was like almost two years ago i guess i'm not sure maybe not uh Maybe it was just last year, but uh, yeah, you can if you search on the on BattleshipRetention dot com, you can read, read my review of the Blu Ray release. Uh, it's spoilers; it's a positive review. Indeed, because yes, I yes. also think it's one of the. I'm trying to think when we did our best of the decade. Did either of us include Mysterious Game? I don't think so, and I think it's a some. I think it's something that you and I talked about later, and uh, both of us regretted. Yeah, um, sounds like us. So uh, okay. So you can watch Mysterious Skin and many more at Mubi.com. And there is also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. Uh, you can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com. That's M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship to redeem now. 
And I want to tell you about Tweaked Audio, okay. which is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors. They look great. They sound great. They also have their sports line now called Hegon. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely check out all of those. They're I use those at the gym them. today, David. Yeah, I use my non-Hegon ones at work all day. Uh, you can uh, find those at tweakedaudio.com. They're already available at a low, low price, but because you're friends with us, we'll let you in on a little secret. If you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off and no shipping charges. So that's tweakedaudio.com offer code pretension. Let's get into it. Shall we? Indeed. Now, now David, okay, this is your baby. This is your nasty baby. Uh, (laughs) this, this episode, explain yourself. Uh, this is actually completely 100% uh, um, motivated by a tweet that I got. Yeah. The name of our... Motivated, but not suggested, it should be noted. No, uh, but the tweet I got uh, last week, or the, the episode we posted last week, uh, the ti- we titled it Pet Themes, mm-hmm. because it was about the pet themes, the themes that we uh, hold dear to our hearts and respond most, cl- uh, have the biggest reactions to. Uh, but it was called Pet Themes. Mm-hmm. That was the name of the episode. And um, someone uh, tweeted something like, uh, I assumed this episode was going to be about Marley, Marley and me, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, well, that'd be fun. That would mm-hmm. kind of... It'd be a fun undercutting of the seriousness of last week's episode. Indeed, to do a movie, do, a, do an episode about movies about people and their pets. Yeah. Uh, special thank you, by the way, to everybody about uh, in regards to uh, your responses to last week's episode. We've gotten a lot of compliments on that episode. Yeah, and uh, uh, I, there have been times between our recording it and posting it that I that I was thinking like, should I go back and edit some of that stuff out? Really? Yeah. Oh wow. Um, like this, like all the stuff I said, <laughs> no, okay. the stuff I said, uh, but I'm glad that the response has been so positive. Yeah. Uh, there was somebody who, I don't remember if they emailed us or if they posted it. Um, but they said that they thought it was quite possibly our best episode ever. Wow. Which is not true. <laughs> it can't possibly be true, but, um, but yeah, so thank you everybody for that. So we are talking about People and their pets. Yes. And I'll tell in you, film, specifically. In films. Now, uh, now the first movie that came to mind is one of, one, of the, one of the greatest movies ever made about a person and his relationship to his dog was made just last year. Okay. It's called John Wick. Oh, okay. Have you seen it yet? I have not. So John Wick, it's, I mean, to say it's about a guy and his dog is uh, a bit deceptive because the dog is uh, unfortunately murdered yeah. shortly into the movie. But everything that happens because of that is because they killed his dog. Mm-hmm. And so he shoots 85 people in the face because they killed his dog. And I feel like there is no better illustration of the bond between <laughs> yeah. a person and their dog. If someone gives someone, if some gangsters killed my dog, I would shoot at least 85 people. At in least the face. no question about it. Um, so I definitely wanted to bring now, that is, up. Let me ask you this. Is John Wick back? Uh, yeah, uh, well, I turned over the line. Okay. It's in, it's in the trailer, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, uh, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Yeah. And he says it in the way that only Keanu Reeves can, where it's like, I don't totally believe you, and yet that's super badass. It is. like No, in the right role, Keanu Reeves is the perfect guy. Yeah. And he that's that's a great role for him. I love that movie so much. I've got It's you on really Netflix. Gotta it I got to watch it. Um, there's also now on... 
on YouTube, I, I don't know if it's on the Blu-ray now, but there's like an hour-long making of uh, documentary that I really, awesome. want, I really want to watch. Um, you know, take a long lunch break and work one day and watch an hour of the making of John Wick. Uh, but the other thing I was... So, when I, uh, you, I don't know if you had the same problem in thinking about movies for this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of movies about people and their dogs. Okay, yeah. Like, most of my list is people and their dogs, but I specifically tried to find movies by people and other kinds of pets. Oh, I've got a bunch. Okay, good. Because I couldn't find that many, but as a cat, I mean, I have a dog and a cat. Mm -hmm. I don't consider myself a dog person or a cat person, but if I had to, I'm a cat person first because I've had cats since I was uh, a teenager and I have uh, my, my, uh, my girl, my cat, uh, I've had her since she was a kitten. She's 11 years old now. She's mm-hmm. a huge part of my life. And so I was trying to think about movies about people and their cats. And of course I thought about the greatest movie ever about a guy and his cat. Um, sure it's on your list because I wouldn't have seen it if it weren't for your VHS copy and we lived together. And it's Paul Mazursky's Harry and Tonto. Okay. Is that uh, on your list? It is. It is the very top of my list, oh, but great. An argument can be made. It is not the best film, the absolute best film about a person and his cat. Okay. Well, first talk about how great Harry and Tonto is. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. I think history, if, if, if history remembers Harry and Tonto at all, which it doesn't, but if it did, it would remember it as, oh yeah, that's that movie where, uh, Art Carney won best actor instead of Jack Nicholson or Michael, <laughs> uh, Al Pacino. Yeah. Um, and yes, that is true, but his performance is very good. Um, you know, I, it, I would venture to say that yes, he probably won because he was older and I think it's probably that, but, um, but it's still a great performance and it's still, there is something I, I, there, there's a, a little stirring in my heart. Anytime I see older people with animals, um, and just the, the, the connection they have with that, there was this, oh my gosh, there was this video floating around Facebook for a while where, uh, an older man, probably well into his eighties, uh, had lost his wife and was feeling very lonely. And so his family who lived close, um, they bought him a puppy and then they have the video of when they present him with this puppy. Oh my gosh, David. Oh man. It just, I mean, he just bursts out crying and just the, the, the love and like, tenderness that he has as he's like holding it and like talking to it david it's it's uh it'll warm the cockles of your heart well you know what you know what gets me you know you ever sometimes you feel like you need a good cry sure right? absolutely what will always get me and we get choked with just talking about it and there's a billion of them on the, on the youtube okay videos of soldiers coming home and being greeted by their dogs. No question I about can, it. I, I can yeah. watch it all day. Yeah. And have, like, uh, you know, it's the, uh, just tears of joy. It, yeah. That will always do it for me. Uh, but yeah, Harry and Tonto is great. Um, do we have, does a cinema today, American cinema or cinema in general, have a Paul Mazursky, a populist humanist, but without an inch of condescension? You know, well, like my, I feel like my that's maybe is, what James L. Brooks wants to be, but and, and and he's pretty good, and as good as it gets might be on this list because there's a, yeah. uh, a relationship with the dog in there. But uh, my I, vote is Tom McCarthy. I think Tom McCarthy is very much that. You think uh, that's it, not, when you when you watch Station Agent and you watch yeah. The Visitor and you watch Win Win. I bad. haven't seen The Cobbler and Spotlight. Sounds like it's a bit off brand for him, but clearly he's gone off brand. Yeah. Um, 
But those three movies, like that's a one, two, three punch of like solid comedy with tremendous affection for his characters, but still a clear eyed view of what they are. And ne- but never trying to be too shiny or not at all. You know, I, yeah, that, that's a, that's a probably a good, good comparison because I love Paul Mazursky and I was very, uh, he, he died a few years ago now. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and I was lucky enough to see a screening at the arrow of, uh, down and out in the down and out in Beverly Hills mm-hmm. with a Q and a afterwards with him. This was back when he was still alive. Obviously. Him and Nick Nolte It'd be a very unproductive Q and a, um, and yeah, I'm a big fan of Paul Mazursky, including his one scene in one episode of the Sopranos where he gets shot. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Harry and Tonto is a fantastic movie. More people should check it out. Yeah, I really I should do like that it. for a Monday movie one. one sure, absolutely. Okay. So, uh, what is what is the number one movie about a guy and his cat? Well, obviously, it is Ang Lee's Life of Pi. See, I, that's on my list. Okay. Um, but it's on my list with an asterisk because I don't know if uh, the if the uh, the tiger um, does it ever have a name? It doesn't have a name, does it? I don't think so. I don't know if you can ever call it a pet. They have a bond, but I feel like I, I don't know if pet is the right word. I'm I'm willing to say pet just because there's a bond there. It is the, neither of them chose this, but uh, yeah. it's there no, you go. And they become equals, which mm-hmm. is does not disqualify them from being a pet at all. A lot right. of people uh, treat their pets as equals and feel that way about them. Uh, that's how I, that's how I treat my cats. Yeah. It's, I think it's especially true of Americans, uh, and Mm -hmm. we'll actually get into that a little bit later. Okay. Um, but the tiger doesn't depend on pie. Really? That's true. And I, and so I, I, I feel like, yeah, it's a great movie and it's a great movie about a relationship between a person and an animal, but I don't know if I quite consider it a pet. He does save its life. Yeah, uh, it, it finds it, it falls into the water, um, and it needs to get out and it can't, and then he helps it. So he does in that moment, it is dependent on him. And, uh, so I'm, I'm willing to say pet, um, but even so, a lot of the movies on my list here, uh, it's not an official pet relationship. Yeah, but it's all. But it's not because I was more strict. With yeah. Myself. Well, that's the thing. It's also not Jaws. You know. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, Jaws is not on my list. Like uh, Jen, as I was kind of going through this uh, this list with her, seeing what she might think of, she was like, "Well, what about Jaws?" I was like, "It's not animals," and. You know, the, there there are very few movies. There is one about uh, there are very few movies about pets that will try to eat people, and uh, and it's still viewed as like this positive pet movie. Well, what's what's the one? Little Shop of Horrors. Damn, that's a good one. But no, <laughs> more of a, that's a plant. Not a yeah, uh, and this actually it's and it's it's not a positive uh, thing. It's a uh, Cujo, um, which is okay. about a pet. Uh, it is not the pet of the main characters, but yeah, it is it is a pet. That's why. Well, I didn't. It's domesticated. I didn't consider it. For two reasons. Okay. One, I've never seen it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I have read the book. As have I. And two, because the owner is not a part of the story. He is for a while. Okay, I guess you're right. He doesn't stick around much. Um, I don't know uh, how things differ in the movie, actually, from the from the book. It's not that, it's not that different, actually. Um, I, I want to ask you one question, but it would be a spoiler for one or both of them. So I don't want to ask you that question. Uh, but, um, yeah, let's move on. I don't want to spoil it. We'll talk about it off mic. Okay, I'm intrigued. Okay. I anticipating your question. I'll say no, it doesn't happen in the movie. Oh, okay. 
And I, th- I, I, I think, yeah, 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 that doesn't surprise me. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> that's a book thing. That's not a movie thing. Yeah. Um, so, Hey, that was fun. We spoke in code. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So now, now what was, okay. So you thought of John wick, which is about a man and his dog. I want to talk about a boy and his dog. Uh, which is the name of the movie. Okay. Um, then, uh, I thought we were going to go with My Dog Skip. I haven't, not a bad movie. I haven't seen it. I heard it was good. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a tearjerker. A Boy and His Dog is wonderful. I love it so much. It stars Don Johnson. It's a post-apocalyptic film from the 1970s. Um, and it's this guy, this kid who's probably like 19, and he's walking, you know, just walking around uh, looking to, well, basically get laid. <laughs> um, that's his big thing. Uh, there's a lot of sexuality in the film. Um, but his dog, who he has a, telepa- a telepathic link with, and who uh, he can hear his dog's voice in his head, and so they will interact with each other. And it's crazy as i'm sure you can imagine now but it's also very funny and you actually get a great deal of you feel a great deal of affection for the dog and it's very much that equal type of thing um i mean it's 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 hard to say which one is the pet uh at that point but um but i think uh they are the the dog is definitely dependent on the boy and because the boy ha- gets him food and all that sort of thing and then the dog uses his powers to uh influence other people and get the, get the boy laid so um <laughs> that's, it's a big part of the movie um but uh, it's it's uh, it's a it's a great film i highly recommend it uh i'm trying to think where to go from here cuz okay. well it seems like there's so far i've got three different sort of camps i've okay. got the one where the person and the pet are equals okay the one in which they are not okay uh and then the one that's about a pet but is m- mostly just the pet on its own which is okay. obviously there's homeward bound which i don't know if that's a good now movie what kind of not. journey is that it's in good it's an incredible one. Oh wow All um right. I don't know if it's a good movie or not. I know I watched it a ton of times when I was a kid. Sure. Uh, I, I would have to revisit it to know if it's, if it's good or not, but it's definitely close to my heart as a, mm-hmm. as a kid. But another one, in fact, the top of my list is babe. Now that very much a movie about a pet, I think. Yes. But and the relationship with the farmer yeah. is important, but most of the day to day of the movie is about babe sort of on his own or at least living his life. I, uh, yes, I can absolutely see that. I put it almost in the same, in the same, uh, sub genre as like 101 Dalmatians where we see a lot of them That's on their, on their own. Yeah. But that relationship more so in babe, even than 101 Dalmatians, the, the relationship with the farmer is key. I mean, it is like a very strong relationship and, and the one that I think emotionally pays off the best, uh, by the end yeah. of the film. Yeah, well, it's sort of, I mean, it's it's sort of a coming-of-age story. Yeah. It just happens to be an animal instead of the guy's son, mm-hmm. but it's the same general story, you know? And that yeah. puts me in mind of another coming-of-age story, one which we, it would be criminal of us not to talk about, and that's Old Yeller. Which I've uh, never seen. Okay, well, that is... I've heard it's very sad. Uh, well, it is at the end, mm-hmm. um, but it's incredibly touching, and it's it's not necessarily about 
two pals. Yeah. It is about this boy growing up because he like through his bond to, to this animal and how he takes care of him mm-hmm. and how the animal take like takes care of him. There's a part that clear, the, the humane society of this movie made today would not mm-hmm. let them get away with, which is a dog fighting a bear. Um, oh, and it's like not faked. Um, did you see that video, that YouTube, uh, that thing that went uh, viral, I guess the other day about, uh, two bears like came onto some property and like guy had, or the family had security cameras and this little French bulldog <laughs> scared them off <laughs> this time. It's I watched, no, I, I've watched it two or three times. The video that I always uh, go to with that is when, uh, a cat swats at a, uh, an alligator until, <laughs> until the alligator is like, all right, I'm leaving. Yeah. And just slides back into the water. Yeah. Cats are the best. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love dogs, but, um, yeah. So, uh, old Yeller is a coming of age story mm-hmm. uh, because he has this bond and he has to take care of it and it takes care of him. But then when the time comes, he takes care of him. He has to do what's best for the dog and for his family. And it's uh, an incredibly hard thing. Uh, <sighs> but it is a, you know, it's a trial by fire. He really is coming of age. Uh, he's being forced to come of age. Um so I by have, coming his own, whereas Babe is coming of age by, um, I guess earning his father's approval. Although it's not yeah. his father; it's his own. Yeah, but it's though. it's yeah. a it's a father figure, and and yeah, it's and so I think because there's that, and because that you know, in order for that arc to be complete, you do need that father character, and you know, it's just I mean, when you think of like what is the seminal line from babe and it is that'll do pig. Yeah. And so it is his line. It is yeah. the farmer's line. And so I feel like, yeah, their relationship is, is, I don't know. To me, it's like one of the most touching and organic relationships in film. But, uh, yeah, I should say, uh, so despite, uh, having a turtle when I was like a kid, yeah. um, that, uh, died in like a couple of weeks. We found it like in an alley in Taft. So there's no telling how old it was, <laughs> but, um, and that made me very sad. Uh, my first real pet is in fact, Charlie, the cat you have, now. the cat I have now. Well, I have two cats now. I have Charlie and Molly. Right, but uh, but- Molly is very young. She's going to be around a while, but Charlie is now, I think probably about 11 years old. And I mean, now he's probably going to be around for a few more years, but like, when the time comes and he needs to be you know, put down, right. it is going to destroy me. Anybody yeah. who follows me on Twitter will know I'm in love with this cat. <laughs> and if I, and when the time comes, it's going to, it's going to kill me. And so, um, and when I was a kid, I, I mean, I, I still responded to like animal movies and pet movies and that sort of thing, but I didn't have a personal connection to it because my, mom and brother were horribly allergic to cats and also mostly allergic to dogs. And so we never had any pets. And so this is a a relatively recent thing for me. We never had any pets. Well, I had goldfish when I was really young named Bert and Ernie. Um, and then we had adorable, uh, Guinea pigs when I was a bit older named Mm -hmm. Nick and Val. Uh, one, Nick was born or was a Christmas present to okay. St. Nick. And then turned out Nick was pregnant Oh, and gave birth right around Valentine's day. I see. So we 
gave most of the litter to friends and kept one and named her Val. I see. Um, let's see. We had a parakeet named Max. Okay. Because we thought it would be funny that the parakeet's full name would be Max Pax. Uh, that was basically the reason we kids named it Max. Um, but uh, I never felt that close to any of those pets, I have to say. I think I liked Bert and Ernie, but I was really young. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until we got a cat, which my parents never wanted to get a cat, but a stray mm-hmm. essentially stuck around <laughs> for yeah. a while. And uh, in so this was uh, the first cat that we had, uh, which we... Um, my siblings and I named DJ Jazzy Jeff, uh, jazz right. for short jazz. Yeah. Um, and, uh, my dad was the holdout. He was the one who was like, I don't want this cat. And so mm. in a way that like, it would be corny if it happened in a movie. Yeah. Of course my dad became the cat's favorite. Yeah. It would like the cat would just not leave my, this cat had no time for people. Most of the time it was mm-hmm. an outdoor cat who would come and go as it, as it pleased, especially in the summer. We barely had to buy cat food cause it would spend its days outside like killing chipmunks and birds. Oh, um, oh it was vicious. Like there would be like bird guts and chipmunk guts in the front lawn. Oh. Like it fed itself. Um, and there was one time, a bird got stuck in the uh, fireplace, like came in the fireplace and was stuck in the, mm-hmm. in the thing. And it, we could hear it like flapping around in there. And my dad was going to try and get it out and catch it. And he opened the fireplace. The bird flew into the living room. Jazz went from a prone position to laying from laying yeah. on the carpet in one move, jumped on the air, <laughs> whacked this bird out of midair, killing it instantly oh my uh and yeah saved us all from the bird uh jazz was a <laughs> badass um and just yeah and yeah of course loved my dad and would, yeah uh would follow him around in the mornings uh it was a real charles groden situation <laughs> in beethoven <laughs> yeah uh so that was my first cat then we had a cat that uh, was orange and my mom named him simba which i'm still not i still think that's too on the nose for me i would okay. not have named a cat simba right. but Sim, uh, simba was a little shit um <laughs> and then my uh sister's friend down in near cape Girardeau, missouri uh had a cat that had a litter and now my cat and my mom's cat and my sister's cat Indeed. are all sisters they were all born at the same time oh. um i got the best one obviously damn right um, which you got when we were still living together. And yeah. I remember when, and, when she was a kitten and I guess technically, you know, that was my first pet and it's yeah, weird. It's so. weird. Like when I go back, when I go to your house and there's the cat, it's like, Oh yeah, she's been a, I've kn- I've known her. It's a weird thing to, it's still weird for me to talk about a, an animal that way. Yeah. But like, Oh, I've known her for years. Yeah. Like <laughs> she's been a big part of my life. Uh, yeah. but, um, I remember a moment when, um, I was, we were back in our apartment in Chicago and I was, I had used the, the restroom and then I opened the door and there is the cat just looking up at me and at her feet is a dead mouse. And, and I was just like, and it, from what I hear, like that is not at all an uncommon thing. A cat will present yeah. this thing that they've, but like in my mind, I was like, well, I guess we have mice or maybe not now. I don't know. Uh, but it was just a, a lot of shocks there going on. Yeah. Um, well now she, in theory, she should kill bugs when they get into the mm. uh, apartment, but because she said sadistic little fuck, she likes to toy with bugs. When they get into the apartment. It's, it's, it's hard to watch. Uh, She'll like 
bat at them and like knock them around and just it it'll be just an hour of enjoyment for her just not wow. killing a bug that is pretty rough <laughs> yeah <laughs> and now we have a dog as well who is a uh, uh a, a rescue um mm-hmm. that's what they're called i didn't i didn't did like both of my cats are rescues which means i'm a good person but i'm saying to to paraphrase bill burr's like bit i didn't i didn't pull the dog from a burning building or save <laughs> yeah. it from drowning or anything yeah. that's just the term that they use um and we don't know for sure how old he is maybe about 10 his yeah. name's jack uh and he's a very sweet uh, and good-natured dog yes he is he's very quiet and likes people and then occasionally while he's asleep will just emit ear-splitting howls. I don't know what he's dreaming about, but sometimes just in the middle of the night, like there's a siren, like like the like it's the blitz out there and the sirens are going off, just unbelievably loud howls, wow. which you then have to get up and calm him down because Aww. he doesn't even he'll wake himself up doing it and keep doing it. He doesn't realize what he's doing. Yeah. It's uh, so those are our pets. I knew that was going to happen in some way. We're just going to talk about our pets. Absolutely. Uh, and listeners, I, I highly recommend you follow me on Twitter, uh, at Tyler pretension or at more lessons. And you will see many, <laughs> many, uh, photos. Cause what'll happen is it, it, I will, I will be, up at like one or 2 AM and I'll be working and then Charlie will come and lay on my shoes. Not the ones I'm wearing. I have shoes next (laughs) to my desk. He will lay on my shoes and I will always find it cute. And then I will take a photo of it. There are a lot of photos of him laying on my shoes. So, uh, moving on. Yeah. uh, We got movies to talk about. Speaking of people, uh, I'm not sure where to go. I have two jokey or funny movies. Okay. Um, one, this is maybe more along the lines of a boy and his dog with uh, a guy and his dog who are equals. Okay. And that's Anchorman and the dog oh, okay. Baxter. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, They're yeah. essentially like roommates and yeah. buds, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is it like? Did you eat that whole <laughs> wheel of cheese? Yeah. I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Although um, it's... And- and, but I feel so bad that when Jack Black is like, well, guess what? Now this is happening. It just kicks that <laughs> the obvious prop dog yeah. is off the bridge. And, uh, and Ron Burgundy's reaction is just like, yeah. just so huge. Although I would probably react the exact same way if anybody oh, yeah. did anything to Charlie. Um, yeah. Uh, and then the other one I want to talk about something we just talked about last week on the movie journal. Okay. Best in show. Oh, absolutely. Is, Why uh, is that not on my list? Uh, Good God. What's wrong with me? Uh, we have people with maybe unhealthy relationships with their animals. Sure. There, sure. I mean, there's such a thing as being devoted to your animal in a way that mm-hmm. other people don't understand. Yeah. And then there are unhealthy fixations. Well, there's, there's devoted and there's dependent. I think they are dependent on their animals. Well, some of them, I mean, Christopher guest character, I think, has, he's, yeah, he's, he's he has okay. a good relationship with his bloodhound. Yeah. Um, but you know, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, there's like a, I don't know how to feel about that because yeah. on the one thing I feel like it's what's keeping them together. Their terrier. Maybe. But on the other hand, like in a good way, perhaps, but on the they, other seem, hand, they, they seem to genuinely care about each other. I, I think so. But yes, this is a, this is a, a thing that they can both invest in. Yeah. Uh, but they, and they identify themselves by the fact that they own terriers. Yes. Um, yes. now obviously Parker Posey and Michael Hitchcock have a very unhealthy relationship. Extremely, with their dog. extremely. Just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, projecting everything onto oh, yeah. the dog. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the, uh, Jennifer Coolidge and, uh, Jane Lynch. Yeah. Uh, they, 
they don't see you don't actually see them interact with the dog that much they're wrapped up in a lot of the stuff about the dog but yeah. maybe not the dog itself which yeah. i've never i've never responded to poodles and like when i when i watch that and see the way that it's fur is cut or hair is cut or whatever you call it like and just and it's like oh this is a championship dog and it's like look i know it's a movie but I bet they're probably right. I bet they probably consulted people who would say, this is what a championship dog looks like. Yeah. And I don't understand it at all. Yeah. But I don't get, I mean, poodles are just dogs like any other ones, but the way that and I don't get that, like uh, yeah. horticultural. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a topiary thing. Like Scissorhands has been at it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good call. Best in show. Why? Good God. Why did I not think of that? That's insane. Um, so, okay. I'm, so I'm looking through here and I'm, I want to focus. I want to get, I want to be done with dogs, David. All right. No offense to, uh, dogs. Okay. They're okay. Um, well, I have, okay, we'll go ahead. Okay. Cause I have so, a couple more things I want to talk about. With I mentioned 101 Dalmatians already. Yeah. Uh, Lady I, the tramp also can be, uh, put in there. Lady is a pet. Tramp is yes, not. That is true. Um, you and I grew up with Turner and Hooch and Canine. Uh, I've never seen either one. Okay. I haven't seen them in, I'm 33. I'm going to say at least 23 years, uh, probably 25. And so I don't have a great deal of memory of them. But they, I remember at the time, you know, it was, it was kind of, uh, you mentioned like the, the trial by fire thing, you know. I was, I was young enough. I was too young to realize that, Oh, these dogs probably aren't going to make it. Um, and I believe Hooch dies, but I think canine, which is not the name of the dog. Um, uh, I think he lives, but Hooch dies. And I remember just being like, why? What? I don't, it's like, Oh, but we've got puppies. I don't give a shit. That's not a Hooch. (laughs) This is horse shit. And it just, uh, just bothered me tremendously. But that is the thing that is, with pet movies, oh my gosh, how are we not talking about I Am Legend? Oh my gosh, yeah. I, it just occurred to me. I didn't even write it down, but like, it is a standard thing. If you have specifically, if you have a dog in a movie, I'm going to say the odds of that dog dying by the end of the film is, I feel like 75%, right? Yeah, so I guess we spoiled I Am Legend. But, but that's... I don't think it's a spoiler. I think anybody going in knows that at the very least from a dramatic beat standpoint, yeah. everybody knows that like, okay, he's got one friend and the friend is an animal. I think we all see where this is going, but it is like even seeing where it's going. It's, oh yeah. That's one of the roughest animal deaths in the history of movies for me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. and why tell me why this works, why this is so emotionally effective. Because I, I never understood why it's okay. a big, th- but it does get me. He calls the dog Sam the whole movie, mm-hmm. and it's not until that moment that we find out the dog's name is Samantha, and then mm-hmm. it's a girl dog. And for some reason, that like guts me, and I don't know why that that reveal is so powerful, but it is. I think there's a there's a parental quality to it, um, like when you when it just. No, actually, that's probably not true. I think there's there's a very specific kind of love that somehow when you call somebody. So, are you saying the the name, saying the full name, or the reveal that it's a girl? I guess both. Okay, because I do think that there's an element of formality when you love something that much, and you, like when I 
for example, when I proposed to Jen, Mm -hmm. I called her, uh, Jennifer Aaron Smith. Like, I know it's super cheesy. I'm sorry, but it's just because because it seems like, all right, this is an official thing. Uh, we have a very casual relationship and and it's very, there's a lot of affection and, and all that sort of thing. But there are, there are times in our lives when we need to address somehow in an official capacity because as a function of, of our love of that person or thing. And so him calling her Samantha the, and it does it re it recontextualizing her as a girl, mm-hmm. um, which I, I feel like it doesn't make a great deal of difference when it's, when it's animals. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I think culturally we still have a reaction to male versus female. And like in a, in this hardened environment, like, well, it's a male dog. It's a tough male dog. You know, uh, it's like, Oh no, it was a girl the whole time. You know, it's, there's an element to that that I think is, it also, uh, I'm thinking maybe it recontextualizes the, you know, what led to the dog's death was her bravery and her wanting to protect him. And so it goes from them being buddies to her being, nurturing in a way and yeah. being protective. So it does maybe raise their relationship to uh, yeah. a different level. Yeah, okay. I think so. I'm glad we talked about it. I'm sorry for anyone who didn't know that uh, Sam doesn't make it an I am legend, but I feel like you have to know. I mean, it's, and I don't even say that cynically. I'm not saying that as a, as a mark against the film, but I feel like we are trained as moviegoers. The more serious the relationship is, so let's see. Okay, Turner and Hooch, though it is a comedy, it's like cops. They're going to be dealing with guns. Right. They're going to be dealing with crime. This dog is probably not going to make it. And then when with a situation like I Am Legend, it's like things are about as dire as you can get. And from a story standpoint, this this guy needs to lose the one thing he has, mm-hmm. and that's dog. Like we know it. You know, going in, like I knew from the moment I see him. Standing there with his dog is like, well, look, we all know the dog's not going to make it, and it's going to be heart wrenching. And indeed, I think it was. I, I think I was let it. I always convinced myself the dog's going to be okay. Um. <laughs> you know, there's a website, does the dog die dot com. Oh wow! If you're, if you're like, if you're someone who doesn't want to see animals die in movies, it's not just dogs, but it's like they'll yeah. tell you if an animal is killed in a movie. Okay, or not. fair enough. But uh, it still works in I Legend. There are movies where animal deaths bother me because i think they're not treated uh mm. i think of two wes anderson movies grand Budapest hotel and moonrise kingdom okay the cat and the dog right the dog dies in moonrise kingdom right i don't remember okay um and then as much as i love the movie although i have other problems with it magnolia and one of jason robard's dogs dies from eating his 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 meta his heart yes. medicine yes and it's Treated as such an afterthought that it almost seems like a joke, and that upsets me all the more for it. Uh, it's you know, odd. I, we see that we see the dog eat the medicine, and we know yeah. like there's something in this goes like, "Oh, that can't be good," and yeah. then it goes long enough that you might be able to forget about it yeah. before the reveal near the very end of the movie. Yeah, that the dog has died. We see, see it laying on the. That's table. interesting. Uh, I view it as a thing that at first is funny. And then we discover that there are real life consequences to it. And it is no longer funny. Hmm. You view it as set up punchline, I guess, because I don't, I, well, I never see it as funny, and, but I see that okay. it being treated as funny and it, 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 it does bother me a little bit, hmm. but I should probably get over it. 
I'm okay with Tom Cruise repeatedly threatening dropkick the dogs. <laughs> dropkick them, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I, that that's hilarious to me. Okay. Um, but yeah, that that dog's death does does bother me. Hmm. Uh, okay, a couple more dog movies. I'm bothered by the death of the dog in Jaws because we don't see it. Right. We see, and ah, boy, this gets me. Like, it's this young guy. It's not like an older woman, and this is all she has. But it's just a young guy. Yeah. Just playing with his dog in the yeah. ocean. That's it. And not a, not a kid. He's like probably what is it? Early twenties. And I think the yeah. dog's name is either Pippet or Pippin. I believe it's Pippet, which okay. is like a super awesome dog name. I love it. <laughs> um, and, and there's just something I, I like, whether it be, and of course that scene comes right before the death of Alex Kittner, a child. Right. But, and in both cases, you have him saying like, Pippet, where are you Pippet? Like, and then just, you cut to the, the stick just floating in the water. And then later on, you see Mrs. Kittner saying Alex, you know, after yeah. everybody's run out of the water, there's something to me that is so heartbreaking about calling for someone that isn't there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether it be a little kid or a dog and just because, Oh my gosh, because you can't, because surely you're you're calling uh, with the expectation that they're there. Why wouldn't they be? But they're not, and that is to me uh, very uh, disturbing. Didn't and very... Spielberg kill the dog in the Lost World? Too? He did, oh, but man. did that one in kind of a funny way, which I didn't like. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, well, I don't think that movie is very good. So I guess it's... exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of problems with that. Um, okay, a couple more dogs just to mention: Toto from Wizard of Oz, sure, classic absolutely. dog. Uh, I'd say it's recent, but still a contender for, uh, one of the great, um, dogs of all time. Uggy from the artist. Oh, sure. That's absolutely. A great, great cinema dog. Absolutely. Um, and then the last dog thing I want to talk about <clears throat> is a movie that now at first you're going to balk, but remember, some gonna of bark. These, <laughs> I'm going to bark. Some of these dogs are pets. Uh, Amoris Peros. Oh, sure. Um, oh, absolutely. Oh, I, to me, uh, that, the, the story in that that people don't like which is the the like the the model and the the dog that's like caught under the yeah. floorboards that's to me the most effective part of the film uh, and that's what i wanted to talk about and i, I don't want to be uh, I, I i risk being insensitive here or, or talking about something that i don't know about but i do feel like americans have a reputation of having a closer relationship with their animals especially their dogs sure um than other cultures and I um, feel like there's something of an Inamoris Peros about, um, I guess, that dog being in danger or being, I guess, in danger, uh, endangered by sure. being trapped in the floorboards and the woman being upset about it. And I feel like other people not, not being at her level. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Uh, that that uh, I, I think to me speaks to um, a, a possible cultural difference it could be and also i mean it's just because of what she's going through in her in her life right Mm -hmm. now it's it's she needs she needs some symbol of normalcy and there is something about an animal something that i've come to realize in having a pet is i will never love charlie as much as i love jen Uh you know but i will still cry or, or or honestly as much as any person it's like 
but I would probably cry as much when Charlie dies. I will probably cry as much because he's such a part of my life in a very specific way. Um, I think there are a lot of people that I love less than my pets. <laughs> the people I love, I love more than my pets. Okay. But there are a lot of people. I don't know. I, I feel like if it was a, uh, like a uh, dark night kind of situation and I had to save my dog or someone I've never met, <laughs> I might save my dog. I think I would probably, I'm, I'm not comfortable saying that I would probably save Charlie. <laughs> I want to believe that a human life is more important. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. I know. Notice I say my dog and not my cat. It's because I feel like my cat would never get herself in that kind of situation. Exactly. She's too smart. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Charlie's like, I'm just going to hang back. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know what? Just to be on the safe side, I'm going to hide under the bed for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Better safe than sorry. That's how it is with cats. So, um, okay. All right. I think we're done with dogs. Uh, yes. And I we're believe done with so. most of my list, to be honest. Okay. So I've got... Um, so once you get dogs and cats out of the way, yeah, it's a very, it's a kind of a strange list at that point. Well, now let me mention one. Okay. This is the second to last one on my list that I guess is a cat in that it's a feline. Okay. Um, sort of like you mentioned life of pie. Have you ever seen a movie called Duma? About no, a boy I heard, who has a cheetah for a pet. No, I heard it was great. It's fantastic. It is a fantastic movie. Um, and, uh, I don't know what else to say about it. It really is. It's a, it's in many ways a standard kid and his pet mm-hmm. adventure type of movie. Um, but it's a cheetah and the, the opening sequences in which, which is, I guess sort of montage like in which you see this kid go from having a cheetah cub as a mm-hmm. pet to a full grown cheetah, like laying in the bed with him, yeah. uh, is fantastic. And it does make you wonder like, like, uh, was everyone safe when they made this movie? Which reminds me, I have not seen roar. Neither have I. I don't want to see it. Yeah. I'm, it I'm sounds scared. so horrendous to me, but I'm, I'm curious um, because I know people that have seen it and just the, just are just a, uh, amazed at the sheer audacity and insanity yeah. of what this movie is. So I'm, I'm curious to see it, but I, I could see myself going my entire life without ever seeing it. Yeah. It makes um, me the one I didn't put on here. We're just talking about it getting weird now. Uh, Project Nim, which is a documentary. Oh, but, right. Yeah. Uh, during, I mean that, it, that animal is a test subject, but for a good part is also a member of a family mm-hmm. uh, in, in the way that a pet is. Um, that's if you, you didn't see. I did not see it. Yeah. That's a, that's a heartbreaker too. Yeah. I'm, I'm, sure I'm, it is. I'm generally grossed out by primates. Um, but, uh, David can help. But. What about if they can talk like <laughs> in Congo where you are the endangered species, uh-huh. Amy knows sign language, but then okay. they also put this little, this little glove on her and a little pack on her back, which will, uh, verbalize, uh, her signs. And so she'll, so you get a, an adorable little girl voice saying like, Amy, uh, hug or uh, some horseshit. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, you know what? I'm kind of a sucker for it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, I think, I think for me, the uncanny valley is mm. pretty wide yeah. and primates fall into it and they Fair gross enough. me out. David, too uh, human. David, ugly. What do you think of that? <laughs> well, um, I've 
feelings mutual, Amy. So now the question is, now I know this is not a pet situation, but if you want to go with an equals type of thing, um, along those lines, King Kong. Okay. Uh, where I, I definitely think it's an equals, but I do feel like... Between who? Between... Um, Oh hell! What is Fay Ray's Faye Ray. name? I, I don't know yeah, it, it's Faye. like Anne. I think is her name. Boring. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's not as fun to say as Fay Ray. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, sorry if your name's Anne. My name's David. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Uh, but I think between her and and Kong, I think that in in every uh, okay, yeah. version of King Kong, that relationship is the central relationship, and. You know, it's she's afraid of him. She, then she comes to depend on him, and then she's defending him. And it's not necessarily that he's dependent on her, or more specifically, if he is at all, he's not aware of it. But there's still a connection there. Absolutely, right? Um, he doesn't kill her, yeah, and eat her. So that's a win. <laughs> um, and that's one of the things like people don't like Peter Jackson's King Kong, but that relationship I think is right. I think they get that pretty I, right. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it be the moment cause she's an entertainer where she's like doing her little comedy routine and he's enjoying it. And then he just keeps knocking her over and laughing. Um, <laughs> but then, but then the way that when she finally says no enough and he gets upset about it, like, and that's one of the things that I like about the new King Kong is that it does make the care. It does make the character of Kong like being, a, he's able to understand things, but he is still an animal. Like there's, there's no question that he is an animal. Right. So I, I, I love basically every version of King Kong, even the terrible Dino De Laurentiis 1970s oh, version. I've never seen that. It's not very good. Um, so, okay. Uh, do you want... I know that we, we should probably yeah, wrap up. Yeah, we should wrap up. So, uh, as far as categories of animals, you got your dogs, you got your cats. As far as other animals that... Pe- that are, there are probably m- numerous... Uh, movies about our relationship with. I feel like the next one is horse. Okay. Do you think? I feel like that's. Yeah, but I, 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 I did think about that, but I don't know if I've seen enough horse movies. Well, you saw War Horse, right? I, yeah, but I it's did not, not very good. Okay. So I didn't include it. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I saw Seabiscuit, which yeah. I know is not necessarily a pet, but it's definitely they own it. And, right. and yeah. at the very least, the red Pollard character has this relationship with this animal. And, and I like that movie. I think it's pretty good. I know there are people shouting like black stallion, right? Sure. Absolutely. People love that movie. I also have here the never ending story. Okay. With, I believe the, the horse's name is Artax. Okay. And, uh, Artax does, a uh, not farewell, but that is, a. Uh, uh, that is like an early childhood heartbreak is the death of Artax. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm trying to think of, uh, are there any other, I, I'm sure there are several um, where a, a person like connects to a horse and even in stuff like uh, Lord of the Rings when, you know, I mean, wait, who are you talking about? Well, I mean, look, <laughs> You got your regular horses. Sure. You got your Arctax. You got your Joey the horse or whatever the hell his name is. But those horses have to pay tribute to someone. Right. Look, we all, we all got to pay the piper. <laughs> we got to pay the piper. <laughs> Everyone's got a boss. And for horses, that boss is none other than Shadowfax, the Lord of all horses. The Lord of all horses. Absolutely. Absolutely. Marvelous. Uh, there's another horse in that 
in in Lord of the Rings uh, simply named Bill uh, compared to Shadow Facts. Bill's just a piece of shit. <laughs> so and he can go fuck himself. <laughs> so um, anyway, um, so I've got a few others that are just kind of these outliers as far as animals. Okay, let me name one. Okay, it might be on your list. Okay, but maybe you don't consider this a pet. Ratatouille. I have Ratatouille on okay. here. Yes. Um, and I'm, and I'm okay with that because certainly, certainly Linguini thinks he's a pet right at first. And then quickly it, it becomes clear very quickly that, Oh no, no, they're very much, very much equals. Um, uh, yeah, but no, I, I had that on here and then, um, so I'm going to, I'm just going to like rattle these off. If any of them strike you, Oh shit. Dogs. Asta from the thin man. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Oh, and I wrote it down here and I didn't think to, to mention it, but yeah, uh, like there are two humans and one dog that may, that are in that entire series. And, and Asta is like one of the most dependable, uh, cutaways, uh, in, in film history, which is, it's like, Hey, we're not really sure what we should do. Just cut to the fucking dog and, uh, <laughs> and we'll, we'll get the audience on our side and uh, mission accomplished. They do. So, um, I'm sorry. Uh, I was, as I was looking through my list, I realized that I hadn't mentioned that. So, uh, and then as far as cats, here's one that uh, when I scrolled down on my phone, uh, it's the very last thing, and that is the cat Jones from Alien. Oh, how did we forget Alien? That's a perfect one. Yeah. yeah Jones is great. Because, so I was thinking of Alien the other day, not merely because we did a commentary for it. By the way, those are available as well. Um, and I was thinking of Kane's death scene, uh, not his death scene, pardon me, his funeral scene, uh-huh. where... Uh, everyone's gathered together and they're going to launch his, his body into space. And Dallas says in the most nonchalant way ever, uh, anybody want to say anything and then gives people maybe, I don't know, two seconds to respond and Uh then just shoots it it out in space. Like this is, these are not people that care that much about each other, but Ripley absolutely goes back for Jones. Uh There's no question (laughs) about it. Um, It's arguable. I mean, she cares about these other people and she'd probably go back for them because just on principle, but as far as affection, I think right. the only one she has affection for is Jones, maybe Dallas, but that's something that I always found interesting. And, yeah. and I like that Jones makes it into the second film, but does not go beyond that um, because she leaves him behind, which is, which makes sense. Yeah. Jones, Jones doesn't care. Yeah. Jones, Jones gets taken care of yeah. the, the series has a happy ending for Jones. Absolutely. Yeah. I think Jones is sitting there uh, slapping, you know, kicking himself for not going on that mission. I think right, he's yeah. probably perfectly happy where he is. He's like, I would have scratched out the eyes of that queen. Well, shoot, there are no eyes. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm sorry. So I keep noticing uh, stuff that fit into it. I'm previous glad you category. mentioned Alien. I can't believe I didn't think to mention it. So, okay. Uh, Flipper, okay. get yourself a dolphin there. And if you want to stick with dolphins, might I also suggest Jaws 3D? We were able to get a Jaws movie in here uh, where they uh, they enlist uh, these uh, dolphins at this water park um, that's like a sea world, and they, they enlist their help in fighting the, the shark. Okay. And then uh, it is implied that the shark kills one of the dolphins and it is a a bit, it is a bummer. Okay. Um, but then at the end it is revealed, no, 
the dolphin is fine and it's doing a flip in the air and everything is fine. Yes. Admittedly, several people have died, (laughs) but no, who cares as as long as the dolphins are around, man, that's a shit movie. (laughs) Um, my story about almost seeing flipper. Okay. Everyone in my eighth grade class, apparently couldn't wait to see the movie, the craft when it came out Friday, Friday night, eighth grade is about right to this day. I have not seen the craft, but it was a thing. Like mm-hmm. everyone was like, we're going to the Chesterfield six to see, no, the Clarkson six. Sorry, okay. It was a Chesterfield four, but this is the Clarkson six, one of the Clarkson six to see the craft. And everyone went, yeah. of course it was rated R. Mm-hmm. So everyone, Restricted. yes. So everyone bought tickets for flipper. <laughs> oh yes. Okay. Including my friend, Eric and I bought tickets for flipper and then went into the theater to see the craft. And so many people had done so that it was just overflow. People were sitting on the floor. Like there was, it oh, was yeah. so oversold because people had bought tickets for the craft <laughs> yeah, yeah. as well as the entire theater buying tickets yeah. for flipper. And we were like, we're not doing this. We're not going to stand or sit on this gross, uh, movie theater floor. Uh, let's get out of here. And we briefly were like, well, maybe let's go see flipper. <laughs> and we walked in. There's like two people in the theater. Yeah. Well, I don't think we even sat down. We were like, oh, we're not doing this either. So then we went to the manager and we were like, uh, we can't stay. Can we get our money back? The guy was like, did you buy tickets to the craft? We're like, no, or <laughs> were you trying to see the craft? We're like, no, we, we just, we thought we wanted to see flipper, but it turns out something came up or whatever. Yeah. And the, uh, the manager gave us our money back and that's we nice. And played ping pong in Eric's garage. <laughs> That's my story about Flipper. I haven't seen I haven't seen Flipper or the Craft. It's a, a near miss uh, <laughs> seeing Flipper. Um, this okay. is Paul Hogan, of course. Flipper. Indeed, with Elijah Wood. Yes, yes. Um, okay, so uh, let's see. Right, let's see. Uh, okay, now look. I recognize that Chewbacca is not a pet. No, he's. Uh, but he kind of is. <laughs> okay. He doesn't talk. Oh my gosh. So there's this been, there's been this clip. I think I'm new. I think I'm, I'm late to the party. I think it's been around for a while where somebody, the last scene of star Wars, the awards ceremony. Okay. Um, (laughs) sorry. I'm laughing already. The awards ceremony where Han and Luke and Chewbacca walk down this aisle and princess Leia puts like gives them medals and then they all stand and look at everybody and there's this big fanfare but there's no music in the actual hall so somebody took the music out uh-huh. but and but then layered in their own spe- their own sound effects so that you hear just deafening silence <laughs> and just footsteps as they make their way down <laughs> and then like uh and i think they t- there's a moment where r2d2 is like going back and forth um but they took that out and just kept the clanking sound so there's a clank 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 <laughs> And then, but the, at one point Chewbacca like does his little roar thing, uh-huh. his, his growl thing, but they don't layer that in. Instead, they just have a guy go, ah, it's, it's hilarious so much. Very um, so, uh, but yeah, it's, I've never liked Chewbacca as a character. Oh, I, I, love d- Chewbacca. I don't, f- I know. I'm in the minority. I don't like the noises he makes. I find him very bothersome. Um, (laughs) And so uh, he's, he's just a big dog and uh, just get him out of there. He's got his crossbow. Who gives a shit? Oh, if we're going to talk about uh, outer space pets though. Okay. Not a very good movie, but uh, John Carter has that cute uh, animal dog thing. 
I don't remember that. Really? It's mm-hmm. like the best part of the movie, though, that little thing. Running. It runs like a million miles per hour. And it's oh, like okay. Yes, off. yes. Yeah. I, I, I do not remember much about John Carter. So, uh, okay, so Star Wars. Uh, Paddington, it's not really a pet because he's a sentient being that, right. can, that can actually talk their I language. Um, I take notes here. That's fine. Uh, Charlotte's Web. Okay. Now, is that... Are any of them? I mean, they they all live on the farm, but yeah. I don't think any of them are officially pets. I think I I think I considered it and didn't, didn't okay. put it on there. Okay. Uh, now, David, a moment ago, I talked about how in Jaws 3D, the humans enlist a uh, a different animal to fight the monster. Okay, is this going to be about raptors? It is going to be about raptors. It's going to be Jurassic World, uh, a movie that I. I like more every time I think about it because, uh, listeners, I'm actually very proud of my little mini sode about Jurassic world over at more than one lesson in which I go into way more detail than the film probably deserves. <laughs> um, talking about just what the film is really trying to get to. And every time I even think about the movie, I think of more things. Uh, it's astounding how much that film is a tribute to Jurassic Park, Jaws, and blockbusters in general, and what it's trying to communicate about those things—it's astounding to me. Um, but yeah, so the the and the 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 role that the raptors play, and that they are seen as pets—they are seen as things that you can tame and have a relationship with, which Chris Pratt kind of does. Okay. But one thing that I like about it is that it makes the argument of like, yeah, but they're not. Re- they're not tamed. You might have a relationship with them, but that relationship's going to go out the door almost immediately. And that's something that I actually like uh, about the film. Um, so, okay. Uh, I got two dragon movies here. Okay. I got how to train your dragon, which I haven't seen. I, I, when I was thinking about, I looked up other people's lists online of like mm-hmm. movies and about their pets. And I saw that one and I was like, I bet that's a good one for this list, but I haven't seen the movie. It absolutely is. Uh, the dragon, um, despite it being a mythical creature, the dragon actually does re- react very much like a dog. And the, what's his name? Toothless or is it the, the kid's name? I don't know. I didn't like the movie that much. Oh. People love how to train your dragon. They and like it's, both of them. yeah, it's fine. The flying sequences are really good and the animation in general is really good, but who it's, I, it's not that great as a movie in general. Okay. Um, but their arc and their relationship actually does mean something and, and that's fine. A movie that I do respond well to though. Admittedly, I have not seen it in many years is Pete's dragon. Did you ever watch Pete's I've dragon as a kid? No. Where, uh, this kid Pete, has got this dragon named yeah. Elliot and uh, Elliot is a, a magical being and uh, can become invisible at times. And uh, he's animated in a world that is uh, not. Um, but it's uh, it's actually I thought it was an animated movie. It is not. No, uh, he. Yeah, uh, I believe he is the only element of uh, animation in the film. You learn something new about Pete's dragon every day. That is actually true. <laughs> uh, you know, I've got a little uh, I've got a little pad of paper next to my computer. <laughs> um, so uh and then here's here's one a pet ant it's not so much a pet but it's kind of a pet in uh-huh. honey i shrunk the honey, kids I shrunk the kids i don't speaking know why, of, again why didn't i think of that speaking of uh traumatic animal deaths when i was a kid the yeah. death of auntie at the at the uh claws of that scorpion is a uh, tragic yeah it really got me and it's, jen was watching honey i shrunk the kids recently and it always gets her 
Yeah, it's the it's the precursor to Samantha and I Am Legend. It really right? is. It really is. Oh, if only there was a giant scorpion in I Am Legend, I would love that. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think of of so that's that's basically everything on my list. And and one thing that I one thing I wanted to delve into before we before we wrap things up is why are there so many of these? Like well, what what is it about? You know, because you know. You're not supposed to work with animals. What? So what keeps? <laughs> oh shit! Larger than life. Okay, I never saw it. Animal, um, uh, elephant. Sorry. Um, I mean, people always say never work with kids or animals, and that's this is a list of movies that flies in the face of that. Why yeah. do people keep making them? I mean, I think that's a. Uh, I think there's a couple reasons. Um, we talked earlier with Babe and with Old Yeller about relationships with with animals being, and even with I Am Legend being metaphors for relationships yeah. with humans or, or human type of relationships and growth. Uh, but it's also something that's just incredibly relatable. I mean, I think yeah. anyone, I mean, you talked about both of us talked about like our opinions toward animals changing once we had pets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anyone who's had a pet can relate to that. Um, and, and so I, yeah, I think it's just a, it's a universal thing and you can pack all kinds of different emotions and growth into it. I think that right there is a very good point because, okay, so I've become an animal person. I love going to zoos. Um, and so I, I do kind of like movies about animals though. I do recognize that there's a lot of room for manipulation in there. Um, but I think the, the, the reason that they often work so well is because an animal, yes, they can have personalities, but they are also kind of a blank slate onto which we can project a lot. Oh yeah. yeah. And so if a, if a writer wants to do something that like, okay, we need, I've got this main character and, uh, and I need him to have a friend, but I need that friend to be whatever I need him to be uh, emotionally. An animal works really well. Here's the let me let me put this out there. As I was making this list, uh, and as I was thinking about it uh, today, the movie Castaway popped into my head. Oh, Why? Right. Wilson is not an animal, sure. and yet the way that Tom Hanks' character talks to him and approaches him he it not only he might as well be alive but it feels like an animal and i and the fact that i or it feels like a pet the and the fact that i thought of that twice in fact i think that speaks to the way animals are used and i don't mean to say this in a cynical way but like i think it speaks to the way animals are used as a story device in film because when a when a volleyball with a handprint on it uh-huh. can play the same role as a dog, right? Yeah, I feel like that that speaks volumes uh, about the way. And, and again, that sounds cynical. I don't mean for it to, but like, but it's true. We do project all sorts of things. Yeah, I know my dog. I know when he comes back from his walk and he's got what looks like a big grin on his face. It just means he's thirsty. Yeah. But it, I can't help it. He looks like the happiest dog in the world because his his like opening his mouth to pant makes yeah. him look like he's got a big smile. Yeah, uh, Charlie has a favorite blanket, uh-huh. and <laughs> at the end of almost every night, I will after I'm done with my work, I will lay on the couch and I will put the blanket on me. Sometimes I don't, 
either way, he will often, he knows the drill. He will come up and jump up on me and lay down. And the fact that he does it without the blanket is very exciting to me. Um, <laughs> but for a long time, it's just like, well, we tend not to get the blanket out unless I, unless it's going to be laying on me. And, and yeah, but it, when he lays on me, it's like, oh, he loves me. It's like, I don't know if animals understand what love is. Yeah. They might understand the concept of affection and safety. Right. And right now he feels very safe and secure. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'll project all kinds of stuff and I'll talk to Charlie a lot. And I think I've said this on the show before, but uh, I know I've said it to you before, which is if you were to just take. So if Jen's like shooting a wedding and it's just me alone with the cats uh-huh. uh, for hours on end. Um, and if you were to take the things that I say, but put them in my regular voice, because, <laughs> cause, you know, I've got my animal voice, which is like, it's like, hello, Charlie. It's, 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 okay. it's higher. But if you were to take what I say to the cats and put them in my regular voice, I sound like a fucking lunatic, of course. Oh. And so, especially because I'll repeat questions a lot. I'll be like, <laughs> so here's, here's an example. Hello, Charlie. Are you Charlie Bucket? Are you the cutest cat? Are you the cutest cat? Are you the cutest cat? So that's, that's basically how it goes. That's and just like, are you a hungry cat? Would you like a treat? 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 <laughs> And goes on like that for a while. Um, and so that's, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I do that. I think I, I, here's what I do. Well, okay. here's the one embarrassing thing I do is if I have a song stuck in my head, I will sing it, but replace the, like you or me or I with the dog or cat's name. Absolutely. You know? So like this one goes out to the one Jack loves instead of, <laughs> <laughs> that's something I, I just did the other day. But my other thing that I get a kick out of, is uh, to say horrible things to my animals in a normal voice so they don't know that I'm Aww. like, like if Jack is taking too long to eat his dinner, I was like, you better eat that dinner or I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> <laughs> it cracks me up to say to threaten to beat up my dog in a normal voice because he has no idea what I mean by that. As long as there's no aggression in my voice, he thinks I'm yeah. talking to him just like normal. I say, I'm, uh, I'm going to beat you up. You know what it feels like to get beat up? You're about to find out. <laughs> That's somehow adorable. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean it to be. All right. This has been fun. You can find us at battleshippretension.com. Excuse me. Or you can email us and you can email us at david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Uh, you also have another pod, a couple other podcasts. One right. is about uh, Survivor, pretty self-explanatory. You yes. talk about the new episode, of, new episode of Survivor every week. Yes. So my favorite player of the season just got voted out. And, oh. it is, uh, and my least favorite player is still around and she needs to... Uh, okay. Look, I know this is harsh. Die. Okay. <laughs> well, it's called survivor. I know. Uh, so all she needs to do It'd be great if not- she was the one casualty. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then what's going on at more than one lesson, more than one. Le- so much, David, so much. Uh, I recently recorded a, an eight minute video, uh, in which I talk about, um, the dilemma of Christian film, which is to say, uh, the, the arguments that happen between those that like it and those that don't and uh, maybe trying to st- strike a better tone of civility between the two. Um, and then Halloween times is in full swing. 
And we recently, the, our most recent episode is about Jennifer Kent's The Babadook. Oh. Which is, uh, it's a good episode. A lot of people really like that episode. Uh, the companion film is Forbidden Planet. And uh, yeah, and I had two, two co-hosts for that. I had Robert and Reed because they both were so eager to talk about it. So I'm, I'm very happy with the, with the discussion. And uh, listeners, if you haven't seen The Babadook, it's on Netflix. You have no reason not to. Seek it out and uh, you'll enjoy yourself. All right. My other podcast is about television. It's called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. Uh, this week, we'll be talking about The Amazing Race, which you need to catch up on, I obviously. Know. And we'll be talking about the season two premiere of Fargo on uh, Did you see season one? No. Okay. But I did watch the season two premiere. Okay. How is it? I guess like, I'll have to tune in. Yeah, you'll have to tune in. All right. Um, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.